The Bible Study Podcast, episode 93. Today, the Bible Study Podcast continues the study of Hebrews with Hebrews 5. Welcome to the Bible Study Podcast. Today we continue on with our study with the fifth chapter of the book of Hebrews, and let's jump right in. The chapter starts this way. Every high priest is selected from among men and is appointed to represent them in matters related to God, to offer gifts and sacrifices for sins. He is able to deal gently with those who are ignorant and are going astray, since he himself is subject to weakness. This is why he has to offer sacrifices for his own sins, as well as for the sins of the people. We're going to talk here a little bit about the office of high priest. Remember that Aaron, the brother of Moses, was the first high priest. And the high priest followed then in the Levitical tradition, in the sons of Levi, in that particular family of all of the twelve tribes. Only the tribe of Levi became priests, and they did share in the regular inheritance of the land, in the promised land, but instead had this special role. And then one of the specific things that the high priest did once a year on the Day of Atonement, the high priest would get to enter into the holiest of holies where God was understood to dwell. And the high priest would first sacrifice for his own sins, and then he would sacrifice for the sins of the people, and he would sprinkle then the people with the blood of the sacrifice. And so we're going to make reference to that as we're looking at the priestly duties of the high priest. So it's good to understand that. So the writer here is saying that selected among men and appointed to represent them in this manner to God to offer gifts and sacrifices for sin. So that's the role of the high priest. And since the high priest is also one who is under sin, since the high priest is a regular person, he is able to deal gently with those who are ignorant and going astray since he himself is subject to weakness. This is somebody who is not perfect and so he understands that people are not perfect and therefore can deal gently. And also then he has to sacrifice for his sin first. And then it continues. No one takes this honor upon himself. He must be called by God, just as Aaron was. So Christ also did not take upon himself the glory of becoming a high priest. But God said to him, You are my son. Today I have become your father. He says in another place, You are a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. Okay, we talked about who Aaron is in there. We know who God is. We know who the Father is. Melchizedek is this odd other reference here. This particular quote about Melchizedek comes from Psalm 110. Melchizedek was the king of Salem, possibly that later became Jerusalem, and it was someone who Abraham ran into who was both king and priest. And that is an unusual combination, but it is something that stood out, stands out, within the biblical tradition as this one person who takes on both roles. And so Jesus will be compared here to Melchizedek, both king and priest. And this quote here from Psalm 110 is part of that comparison. And so this passage says that Jesus didn't decide to be high priest. Similar to the earthly high priest, he was appointed high priest. He had that that honor, he had that glory, he had that position given to him by his Father in heaven. And the passage continues. During the days of Jesus' life on earth, he offered up prayers and petitions with loud cries and tears to the one who could save him from death, and he was heard because of his reverent submission. 
Although he was a son, he learned obedience from what he suffered, and once made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation for all who obey him, and was designated by God to be high priest in the order of Melchizedek. So this says that Jesus offered lots of prayers with cries and tears to the one who could save him from death. This is an interesting passage here, and it says that Christ Although son had to learn obedience through his suffering. And you may remember a couple different times where Christ was given, where Jesus was given an option of suffering or not. One was in the temptation in the wilderness. The devil says, takes him to the top of a high mountain and says, look at all of these countries of the earth. They're all yours if you'll bow down and worship me. But instead, Jesus is obedient to the plan that will lead to his death his suffering and death. And then again in the Garden of Gethsemane, we see that Jesus literally sweats blood. And I think that is somewhat related here to loud cries and tears from one who could save him from death. Father, if you will, take this cup from me, but not my will, but yours be done. Even with suffering approaching, even though he knows what he's going to go through, because he's already told the disciples what he's going to go through, he is obedient. And then because he is perfect, now this passage says once made perfect. It's an odd choice of words and one that is an unusual choice of words in the New Testament. But because he is perfect, he can become the salvation for us. There's this odd thing here where Jesus is priest, he is sacrifice, he is king. Right now we're focusing on that priestly role, that role of drawing us towards God. He becomes the source of salvation for all who obey him and was designated by God, again, to be this priest in the order of Melchizedek. Okay, And we'll continue on. We have much to say about this, but it's hard to explain to you because you are slow to learn. In fact, though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's word all over again. You need milk, not solid food. Anyone who lives on milk, being still an infant, is not acquainted with the teaching about righteousness. But solid food is for the mature, who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. I recall what a huge step it was when we had our kids. We have two kids. And they switched from milk to baby food. And when we say baby food, it's not really solid food yet. It is semi-solid food that comes out of those little jars. Some of it very tasty looking, some of it not so much. But it's a major step when suddenly this child who is subsisting only on milk starts to get a little cereal, a little fruit, a little meat. For one thing, they're going to sleep better through the night there. But they're also, this is a major step in maturation. This is a major step as they are going from infant to toddler to child to adult. And the author here is rather annoyed that he seems to be having to keep going over old ground that the people who he is writing this to should know this already, but don't. He keeps having to deal with what he calls milk, what he has to deal with, the basic biblical teachings, not solid food. Now, what is solid food? Solid food would be something more difficult to chew in this case, something more difficult to understand. And because they are failing to mature because they are failing to grow up. He is feeling that he keeps having to go over the old information over and over again. 
This is obviously a challenge. It was intended as a challenge for the church, and we should accept it as a challenge for us. And I think often it's not so much that we don't hear and understand what is milk, what is basic teachings, but we don't apply them. Remember that section just above here wasn't, he became the source of eternal salvation for all who understood him. And it didn't say he learned understanding from what he suffered. He learned obedience from what he suffered and the source of eternal salvation for all who obey him. And so when we talk about not moving past milk, not moving on to more difficult issues, not moving on to more deeper teachings, I think it's because we haven't put them into practice. There's the story about the young pastor who comes and preaches a sermon, and the first sermon he preaches is about repentance. And people meet him at the door, and they shake his hand, and they say, that's a really wonderful sermon, and you really did a wonderful job, especially for your first sermon here at the church, now that we've called you. And the second Sunday, he comes, and he preaches the same sermon. And no one really wants to say anything, because after all, he's new, and and they don't know him that well. So they greet him at the door, and they say, what a nice, interesting sermon. But the third Sunday, when he preaches it again, finally people say, why do you keep preaching the same sermon? And he says, when we get this one, we'll move on. And that's really what's going on in Hebrews, and that's what we need to look at as we examine our lives is, where are we not moving on because we haven't put into practice that which we have been taught? I'll leave you with that to think about for the next week. And with that, we'll bring this episode of the Bible Study Podcast to a close. If you have any questions, feel free to mail them to host at thebiblestudypodcast.com or leave a comment at thebiblestudypodcast.com. And as always, thanks so much for listening. Hey, Ted, what do you want to do today? Well, Ashley, I've always got uh, work to do, naps to take, but I have a better idea. How about we invite everyone to listen to the Team Us podcast? I love that idea. Let's do it right now. Hi, everyone. We're Ted and Ashley Slater, and we'd love for you to join us as we talk about teamwork in marriage. We share how grace, commitment, and cooperation can help couples live the everyday moments of marriage together. To listen, go to lifeaudio.com and search for Team Us.